1975, Jaws was released. It is routinely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time and is generally credited with creating the concept of the summer blockbuster. In 1978, in an obvious cash grab, Jaws 2 was released, failing to have lightning strike a second time, but presenting a generally enjoyable film. In 1983, Jaws 3D was released, shamelessly attempting to take advantage of a gullible audience. By 1987, there was no pretense of quality as Lorraine Gary and Michael Caine cashed paychecks for sleepwalking through a pointless and incredulous sequel. In 2016, Paul Spatero created Is It Jaws, in which he and a group of rotating guest hosts discuss new and old movies and place them up against the Jaws scale, which ignores some elements of the actual films and sets forth a rating scale. Jaws, an all-time great classic film. Jaws 2, an enjoyable film with some flaws but worthy of multiple viewings. Jaws 3, a moderately enjoyable film. And finally, Jaws 4, a bad movie. Please join Paul and his guests as they ask the ever-important question, Is it Jaws? My name is Peter Parker. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. I saved the city, fell in love, then I saved the city again and again and again. Look, I'm a comic book, a serial, I did a Christmas album, and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. Spider-Man. Swings in once a day, zip zaps up in his little mask and answers to no one. I love you, Miles. Yeah, I know that. You gotta say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I, I wanna, wanna hear, hear it. it. Look at this place. Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. That's, That's a copy. Ladies and gentlemen. My name is Miles Morales. Brooklyn! I'm the one and only Spider-Man. At least that's what I thought. You ever hear of the Super Collider? You're gonna love this. Dimension opening now. You're like me. That's impossible. All right, kid, listen up. This fry is your universe. It's soggy, it's weird, it's gross. And this delicious normal fry is my universe. So you want to learn to be Spider-Man. Can you teach me? Yes, I can. Time to swing. Ah, Good, doing you're doing it. it. Double tap to release <laughs> and whip it out again. Okay. Whip and release. You're a natural whip. Hey guys. Who are you? I'm Gwen Stacy. I'm from another, another dimension. How many more spider people are there? Hey fellas. Hello. This could literally not get any weirder. It can get weirder. Okay. We need to get back to our universes soon. Brooklyn is gonna collapse. My family lives in Brooklyn. Whoa, 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 whoa. Miles, what's wrong? This was never your city. It's mine. If I don't destroy the Collider, none of us will have a home to go home to. Remember, what makes you different... Let's go! ...is what makes you Spider-Man. Officer, I love you. <laughs> Wait, what? That way, that way. Other way, other way, other way, other way. Do animals talk in this dimension? Because I don't want to freak them out.
Hello, everybody, and welcome to Is It Yours, the movie review show. I'm Paul Spitaro, and I have with me today Mr. Ryan Daly. Welcome aboard, Ryan. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's been too long. It really has. Thank you for coming on. And, uh, you know, we, we, we get to talk once in a while, but it's not nearly often enough. So I'm glad we came up with uh, an excuse <laughs> to get together today. Uh, I'm just waiting for my next invitation over to the Cheers cast. I'm, I'm starting to look at <laughs> season two episodes, so expect a text. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I, I, as, long, as long as we line up our schedules, I am there. Yep. But uh, in the meanwhile, we, uh, Ryan and I were, I don't remember how we got into the conversation, but we started talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, Ryan had already seen it. I was going to see it and uh, basically said, hey, after I see it, why don't we come on and do an Is It Yours? And uh, here we are. Here we are, yeah. So now I'm not going to give a synopsis on this because it's still in the movie theaters, and I don't want to – we are going to have some spoilers, but I'd rather not give any major spoilers if we could kind mm-hmm. of set that as our ground rules here. Sure. Uh, you know, it, it's it's definitely not going to be spoiler-free because I don't think we could really talk about the movie without giving a little bit away. But we don't have to give any major re- revelations away, I don't think. Like, for example, there is a uh, mid credit scene which I found to be very amusing. I, other than to say there is a, cr- a mid-credit scene and that I thought it was very amusing, I don't think we should give away what actually happens in it. No, no, I, I, I think it was a, a wonderful little thing that they added to it. I, I highly recommend staying to the end of the credits for this. I actually saw somebody tweeted, it's like, you know, during the credits of the movie, I was like, I think that's the best Spider-Man movie. And then after that post-credit scene, I was like, I think that's the best movie ever. So somebody, somebody was <laughs> really, really big. Oh, hey. Hello? Can you guys hear me? I can. You got to give yourself that that couple of seconds for your internet to clear up. To anybody who's listening, because I'm not going to totally edit this out, that's that's my good friend, uh, J. David Weeder, who is becoming almost like my co-host on this show of late. Uh, That's all jacked up tonight. (laughs) There you go. There you are. Hopefully you can get a steady signal and you can stay with us. Yeah, hopefully. Can you can you can both of you hear me or am I just talking to myself? I can hear you. Clem Fandango. All right, so <laughs> we we were just giving a general introduction to the movie saying uh we're going to give some spoilers but we're going to try to avoid significant spoilers. That's kind of our ground rules for the, for discussing the movie now. Okay, that's going to get tricky, but yeah. <laughs> So just just as a, a general synopsis, because, again, I don't want to go too far into this. We're really looking at the Ultimate Spider-Man universe here pretty much. Uh, actually, I guess we're looking at a combination of the Ultimate Spider-Man universe with uh, uh, that, that uh, Brian Michael Bendis came up with. And then we're looking at the Into the Spider-Verse stories that uh, Dan Slott came up with. The main character through this movie, which is also a point-of-view character, is uh, Miles Morales. This- and we follow his, or we, we follow the uh, the end of the traditional Peter Parker Spider-Man story into the Miles Morales Spider-Man story, and then an opening of uh, the multiverse, effectively, uh, where we get various Spider-Man characters. Uh, and I, I, none of that is really a spoiler, because you get it just from the uh, trailer anyway. Uh, so we have uh, Spider-Gwen... We have uh, Spider-Man Noir, 
Uh, we have, I forget what the Japanese Spider-Man is called, uh, or Spider-Girl, rather. Uh, and we get... Uh, Spider-Ham. Uh, we get Spider-Ham, which is... he He's really the runaway star of this movie. <laughs> Even though <laughs> he's, he's not on screen... He's not on, on the screen that much, but he is definitely the uh, the go-to character. Right, and we also get a another sort of over-the-hill Spider-Man. Because, um, yeah, sort of like the, the Spider-Man who is the Peter Parker in Miles Morales' world is kind of like Peter if everything good went for him. Mm-hmm. He is like the mainstream, popularly accepted Spider-Man. And his whole life has kind of been perfect. He's been Spider-Man for 10 years and everything is aces. And then later Miles meets a Spider-Man where it's basically the Parker luck when <laughs> went on a really long streak. And this is a Spider-Man who's kind of lost everything and he's barely clinging on to being Spider-Man at all. Um, so it's that, that figure becomes a, a sort of mentor figure for Miles and, you know, it's nice that they get to sort of help each other recover from their own losses. Yeah, it's there's definitely a story arc more for, uh, well, certainly the Miles Morales character has a story arc, mm-hmm. and then the older Spider-Man, the twenty, he's the twenty-year Spider-Man instead of the ten-year Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has this. He has a story arc. The other characters are really more there. Uh, you know, as in supporting roles, they don't really have much of a, a much of a uh, of an arc to speak of. Oh, I don't know. Spider-Man Four has a great arc. Just involves a Rubik's cube. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good, good recurring bit. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's and and Spider-Man Four finally, finally, Nick Cage gets to play play a mainstream comic book character. Well, as, as mainstream as Spider-Man Noir could be. Uh, and and actually have it be a quality uh, performance and and movie. Yeah, it's be- totally beloved. It's he finally got it. It worked out for him. <laughs> I think he he's been trying for this forever. The closest he came was uh, Kick Ass, which isn't really the most mainstream thing uh, right. going. Actually, he voiced Superman in Teen Titans Go to the Movies. So Did he, he actually, yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> and I haven't seen that, so I I can't comment on that one. Now. I got to tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I went to it. I was pretty much, you know, on board throughout it. I have a couple of little things that I wasn't too thrilled with. Um, I uh, I still think I walked out having enjoyed it with kind of a slightly lesser opinion than you guys. I think I'm not quite ready to put this on the Mount Everest of the greatest superhero movies ever. Uh but I got the feeling that you guys might be. Yeah, well, I, I, mean, I, I will say I am on, on board. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, and I really love this movie and like liked it more the more I thought about it. And I've seen it twice now and really, really kind of enjoyed it. Um, and I will say my, I think my biggest takeaway from this movie, without getting into like spoilers, sort of thinking about it, I think what this movie did so brilliantly and it's a great movie it's wonderfully animated i like the story i like the visual style of it i like the music the the way that handles characters but i think something that this movie did that we really haven't seen done well and we've had like 20 years now of multiple superhero movies every year and the quality of a lot of them has just gotten really really good 
but I think something that something that we because all of us we've grown up with comic books and we know the language of comics and the the formula of comic books intimately. But a casual moviegoer might not really understand this is the idea of a legacy hero. And I don't think we've really seen that in a lot of these mainstream superhero movies until now. And I think this did a legacy hero story perfectly because it gave you a brand new Spider-Man without crapping on the old one, you know, without like even like necessary. I mean, without necessarily killing off who Peter Parker was or doing something that would diminish you. Because if you grew up with, you know, Peter Parker, young white kid from Queens or whatever, and he's got his problems and his life and his story and everything like that. You still have that by the end of this movie. This didn't take away or negate any of those other Spider-Man movies or the Spider-Man that you know and love. All it, it was only additive. It just said for everybody else who doesn't feel like Peter Parker represented them, you have something else. You have something in, in for this. It didn't, take away what makes Peter Parker special. I think it, it it really made it even more so. But it also said, hey, there's Miles Morales. There's Gwen Stacy. There's, I can't, I, it was the same thing with Paul. I can't remember the name of the Japanese girl from the year 3000. But Penny Parker. Penny Parker, thank you. Um, and even the pig lovers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> count me in that group. Right. So I really, like, that was my, that was what really impressed me about this one. I was like, they they embraced Spider-Man as a pop culture icon. And I'm giving credit to Mike Gillis from radio versus the Martians who mentioned this, but much the same way that Lego Batman did. It's like, you can, you can, you don't have to be super serious. You can embrace all of the silliness and the seriousness with this and say that Spider-Man is for everybody. And that just, it just blew me away with how well they executed that particular idea. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really kind of why I left the theater really impressed was I was like, they, they, that was so good the way they did it. And to piggyback off that, they chose to focus not just on the legacy, but family and way that will permutate between people. Cause I mean, my family, I'm adopted, so they're not blood relatives, but I love them more than anything else on this earth. And I have friends that are family that, you know, I'll take a bullet for them. And that translated well into what defines a person is the people around them. And they didn't go over the top with it. They didn't make it cheesy. They made it perfectly emotional. And they actually played the other side of that card with sometimes members of your family can be hurtful, but they're still your family. And it, it just did it with, with such deafness that I could not fathom that this was an animated feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with anything that you guys are saying. Um, I think that Miles Morales, it's funny because I'm resistant, and I'm talking now the creation of the character, not so much in the movie. I, I will talk about you know when he, when he first came to being in, uh, in, in uh, Ultimate Spider-Man comics. There's a feeling when a character like that gets introduced that they're trying to force a square peg into a round hole. Okay, we need we want to come up with a new Spider-Man, but he has to be of uh, Latin 
dark-skinned persuasion uh, so that we can be representative of that culture. And I'm not, I don't have any problem with being representative of that culture because everybody should be represented in, in these things. Uh, but sometimes I feel like it's forced a little bit. It's, you know, we, we need to have a Spider-Man that's that. We need to have a Green Lantern that's that. We need to have, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but I have to say, I was while I was resistant to it, I did read the issues when he was first introduced, and I thought it was done very, very well. Uh, I, it didn't feel forced upon reading it, although I've seen other versions of similar things that did. Now, I think this movie did the same exact thing. It took that character and presented it in a way where it didn't feel forced. It felt like a natural legacy thing. And I really like that about the movie, and I like the fact that you know you are giving representation to other people without alienating people who might not be represented by it. I think you know that's the perfect balance, and and I think this movie does that well. Uh, I would say my biggest issue with this, and it's not not really a, a major significant thing, is there were points with the animation style, and the the animation style kind of varies throughout the movie depending on what background they're in or what kind of character they're focusing on but there were points where i just wasn't crazy about the animation style i did not like the character model for the kingpin where his, his shoulders rose about two feet above his head the uh, bill sinkovich version yeah I, I really wasn't crazy about that i didn't like the way he looked i didn't I didn't, you know, I, I just, I wasn't buying it. It was just too far from normal looking. Uh, whereas he did still come off as incredibly threatening, though. Uh, and part of that is based on actions that his character takes throughout the movie. Uh, so there were good, there was good and there was bad with that. And Lee Schreiber is, is just a terrific actor and uh, now terrific voice actor. So, uh, you know, I don't really have a problem with the character. It's just, it was more or less just the character model I didn't like. Uh, but the you know the the animation style changes because you have Spider Ham in there you have a very uh, cartoony style for him you have Spider Man Noir you can you know you can imagine you know he's he's basically black and white walking around in a color world which is just very cool uh, you know you have the uh, Penny Parker which is presented in an anime style so there's a whole bunch of different things going on in this on the screen at the same time and it and that doesn't feel forced either. It's just sometimes it wasn't visually what I was looking for, I guess is what I could say. There were times, like, especially when you when they integrated, like, all of the different characters from their different worlds, especially the three, like, Penny Parker, who is an, a manga-influenced type of character, and the Spider-Man Noir, who's all black and white, and the Peter Parker, who was from a particularly kind of old, <laughs> like... Um, <laughs> like Looney Tunes style type of thing would it, like there were times when like, if you saw all three of them on screen, it kind of looked like, like I, I, I flashed like an old like sticker book where you would have like a matte background and you would just put like stickers of something on top. And they, but like they were all from different artistic styles and they were just sort of like plastered onto the screen. But to me, it wasn't jarring. There was something kind of like, wow, that's kind of cool about it. So I don't know. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. It's, it's eclectic. And they did several new things that some, most of it worked. Some of it, I, mean, I don't know how it's going to play on like home video. It looked good on the big screen, but I think home video may change that. Was it, I'm just looking at, I have the Wikipedia page open. And it says, uh, Chris Pine voices the Peter Parker Spider-Man from Miles Ultimate Universe. 
He's I the didn't. blonde one who we see. In yeah, the I did not know that was Chris Pine. Yeah, yep. yeah. And actually, I've I've heard, and I don't know how much credence there is to this, but I've heard that the filmmakers are the the Lord Miller guy who was uh, in charge of like the Lego movies, and at one point was going to be the direct. They were the directors of Solo. Um, I have heard that they actually wanted to get Tobey Maguire to voice that one. That would have been um, great. And it didn't it didn't work out. I don't know if Maguire wasn't available, if he didn't want to do it, or if Sony just said no, or I, I don't know. And it might just be he was just he was in the middle of an interview and said, "Hey, wouldn't this have been interesting?" But I think that would have kind of been cool or something if they had gotten Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire to do that. But I also think Chris Pine did a terrific job of that, of just kind of capturing that of Peter Parker where everything goes well for him. And apparently like the Christmas album thing that they do, like that was a last minute, like a, like a month before the movie was released. They're like, Hey, let's do this Christmas. And they, and they contact Chris Pine. And then they're kind of like, wait, can Chris Pine sing? I hope so. Cause we just asked. <laughs> most, most of these actors have are multi-talented. Mm-hmm. Most of them, you know, when pressed, they can sing, they can dance, they can do whatever they need to do. Uh, some of them can't, but most of them can, you know, especially if they're relatively young and kind of grew up with right. aspirations of being in the business. Uh, I think the most surprising voice actor when you look down the list to me is that they got uh, Lily, Lily Tomlin to play May Parker. Yeah. Uh, her, her, she does fine in it. Her, her voice is, is very fitting for the character as, as she's presented, but just it's a name that I did not expect to see on, on my uh, cast list. For some reason, when I saw her, like the way she was animated or something, I I was picturing and I can't think of her name now. Murphy Brown, uh, Candace Candace Bergen. Bergen. Candace Bergen, thank you. Um, that's who I was picturing when I was hearing her voice and seeing that anime. So when I was like, oh, Lily Tomlin, I was like, okay, not the same person, but for some yeah. So I, I don't know. I was thinking, I, I was kind of like, yeah, Candace Bergen, like Murphy Brown could have done a good this version of Aunt May, like Aunt May with a baseball bat. Now I know my my <laughs> kids particularly enjoyed uh, John Mulaney as Peter Porker. Uh, they, I'm not really that familiar with him. Uh, they, they told me he's got a Netflix comedy special that I should watch, though. So, you know, but he, 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 did, he did great with that. The characters, like I said, to me, he's the breakout character. And I don't see why they wouldn't say after this movie, why don't we do a half an hour short of just Peter Porker? Seriously. <laughs> I'd be on board. Yeah, I had to ex- I had to explain Peter Porker to my wife that he was a spider that was bitten by a pig. She's like, I don't believe that. <laughs> and they they mentioned it in the movie. They went with it. I could not believe it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like um, Oscar Isaac does the voice of a character who we will not mention because um, that'll be get into spoiler territory. But yeah. I liked hearing his voice in that. Suffice yes. it to say, say stay through the credits. Right, you will be greatly rewarded. <laughs> Yes, that's that's basically what we said just before you were able to join us. Uh, ah. That there's that there is a credit scene and it's well worth seeing, but we won't talk about what it is. So you know, again, trying to avoid any major spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what's the uh, what's what's the the new word we have? Basically, you know, the the uh, the kind of instead of a MacGuffin, uh, is it the Google? No, not. Oh yeah, the the um. The, Google, oh, the, the flash drive, like the, the dong, dong, yeah. What do they call it? Goober. The, the goober. goober. The goober. Yeah. Yes, that's <laughs> so. That's 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 you know probably going to add that to the uh, current lexicon uh, if this movie is as popular as I expect it to be. And yeah, and um, 
uh, is it Jake Johnson from the new girl um, mm-hmm. who does the Peter B Parker, the over the hill Parker. He did such a good job. I love yeah. He was so, he, he so embodied that type of, that type of Peter. And, and when, I don't know how much, like, I don't want to say too much of it because it is kind of like spoiler, but when Miles meets that Peter and like the kind of five minute long action sequence that follows along <laughs> with that, I was laughing so hard. And I saw it the second time with my wife and her friend and they were laughing their butts off. They they couldn't stop. They, they thought that was the best moment. <laughs> and I, I don't think it's spoilery to say that I think this movie does a really good job of presenting the origin story which sometimes is kind of painful to watch in certain things uh not that let me let me correct that it's not that there's so much that it's painful to watch but that the first time you see it and i haven't seen this movie multiple times yet so i'm speculating on what it's going to be with multiple viewings in many movies the first time you see the origin story it's fine it's and it's interesting and you're watching it but then if you go for repeated viewings it's almost like okay let's get by this and get to the action Mm-hmm. Uh, in this particular movie, first of all, we start off with action before we even get to Miles Morales' um, origin. And second of all, his origin is presented in kind of an action-y way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's it's kind of just integrated into the action, and, and I think that was a real good choice script-wise uh, that they made because it doesn't really have slow moments. And I think as an animated feature, slow moments could be just you know the the death knell of your movie right so I, right. I think i think that's really you know like i said a good good script choice that they made as far as how they presented all of that mm-hmm. when it does slow down it is normally to present something of emotional quality like there's a scene between miles and his father that i don't want to spoil but it was done so well by both actors um well yeah i'll go with that that it actually moved me and yes, it was a slower scene, but it it moved forward because it was emotionally potent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, and when I say slower scenes, there's there's nothing wrong with having a dialogue heavy scene. There's nothing wrong with having moments where there's not action. It's just you need to be moving the plot forward. You have to, to have a purpose to it. When you know when we're just seeing you know vista and scenery, especially in an animated movie, uh, a lot of times that's gonna you know. That's going to be boring. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you, you don't want to just have filler in there. Uh, you know, the, the, the area, the one thing where I know, uh, you know, different minds will differ on uh, is if we talk about, like, say, the uh, Star Trek, the motion picture. There are some people I know who, who watch the, the scenes when, when they lovingly go over the Enterprise and show it, and it's a slow pan with, you know, uh, bombastic music, not bombastic, but, you know, very heavily orchestrated music playing. Uh, whereas you can watch that and love it because you're just taking in every moment of it, or you could be bored out of your head. And I know people who, who f- fall on both sides of the fence with that. Uh, this I, movie doesn't I, have any of that. And I myself, I feel like I fell on both sides because the first time I saw it, I was bored out of my mind and I, because I wasn't ready for it. And I was just like, what the heck is this? And then the second time when I rewatched it, I was like, okay, I, I'm digging this. I kind of get what they're going for. Um, yeah. yeah, it took me a little maturing to mm-hmm. kind of feel that way. And I, so I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. The first time I saw it, it was like, all right, let's get on with it. Let's, let's get on to the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, then eventually now I'm just like, oh, look at that. Look at that great ship. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> so it's, it, it definitely, you know, 
different minds can differ, or even the same person could differ over time. But it, my whole point is, this movie doesn't really have any of that. I don't think there's any points in this where the, where it slows down to the point where you start saying, come on, let's get going. Yeah, and I think, again, that's one of the things where I think it handled it really well and took a cue from the comics, in this case, literally like showing as if they're comic books, because we do get an origin for the hero in this, but it's also an origin that is very similar to five to eight different other characters that we meet <laughs> in this book, depending on how you like count them or whatever. And what it does is like they, they have this sort of repetitive style of having the character say, hi, my name is, this is how I got my powers. This is what my life was like. And they do it in 20 seconds or something mm-hmm. with, with kind of similar visual effects and like, like music cues and beats and everything. So it becomes kind of a, a formula, but you get it. And it's like this micro condensed version where, because at this point, everybody knows who Sp- who Spider-Man is. We've seen his movie. We've lived with this character as a pop culture fixture for decades. And certainly just in the recent history, everybody's seen these movies. So at this point, all you need to know is, okay, this guy was bitten by a spider. How is he different? Oh, he's from the 1930s and he talks like a gangster. I got it. And it's like something like that. And, and that's why I think like, you know, something like All-Star Superman, that comic um, by Grant Morrison, Frank Quitely, they told Superman's backstory in four panels and eight words. It's like, mm. you can do that because at this point, everybody knows who Superman is. So you could tell his origin in 30 seconds of a movie. And because people are, and I think people are just going to go with you and be like, yeah, we, we get it now. Show us Superman being Superman now. And that's what this movie did with Spider-Man. Now, is it a misstep to have a different Doc Ock than the average person is familiar with and not really ever explain why. I, no, I found that to be... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, w- I would say I don't think so um, because I think... Well, for one thing, I love that reveal. Um, mm-hmm. And, and um, Catherine Hans is the voice of Octavia. Uh, or, yeah, what, no, Olivia Octavius. Olivia in this one. Um, cause I didn't see that coming. Like when she was just like the, this kind of like crazy weird little mad scientist working with the Kingpin. And then once she gets like, starts making these weird threats, it's like, is this woman actually a psychopath? And then the arms come out. It's like, wow, I did not see that coming, but I loved it. So for me as a fan, I didn't find it to be a misstep. And I, I would assume like, I mean, again, I did see it with a woman who doesn't really know much of the comics. She's seen all of the Marvel studios movies. So she knows them. I think she was basically able to say, Oh, okay. Female Dr. Octopus, because you know, you've seen the limbs, you've seen the arms and everything. You get it. Um, so I don't think it was a misstep, but I, I can't speak for everybody. What, what did you think, Dave? It was a, a pleasant surprise. I kind of the same way that you did. I was kind of disappointed because I wanted to see Dr. Octopus in animated form. Mm-hmm. Did not know that she would turn that that turn would happen, so it it was a really pleasant surprise, and I liked the look of the arms in this version. I agree with that, and I didn't have a problem with it because I'm f- somewhat familiar with her character from when they had the female Doc Ock in the comics. But again, I wonder people who aren't familiar with it what they might think. Now, you know, my kids are pretty familiar with. All the characters, but I don't think they've ever read anything with the female Doc Ock. I saw the movie with them, and neither of them seemed to be taken aback by it. 
And I think especially in a movie like this where you're showing, you know, five different versions of Spider-Man, to have a different version of, of Doc Ock is not necessarily, you know, going to be shocking. Uh, so, again, you know, I, I don't think it's a problem, but, you know, it was something that I thought they might just give you a little bit more in the way of exposition to explain who she is or what her backstory is. I didn't yeah. feel like I missed that. I, I got the point of the character that she was just there to be a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in terms of like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think like we needed more from really any of the villains. Um, you mentioned like how great like uh, Liev Schreiber was as Kingpin, except you didn't like the the uh, physical design of the character. That was the one thing like I didn't have a problem with Kingpin in this movie, but I part of me kept thinking. Should this have been Norman Osborn instead of Wilson Fisk? And I don't know. Like I just kept thinking. I was like, okay, I get like his motivation, why he wants to tap into these different dimensions and everything, and like with dealing with his family. I understand that, but part of me was also thinking like this weird sciency high tech type of thing. It's this feels like more of a Norman plot to me, and I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I kept on thinking, like, would this have been a little bit better if they had gone with Goblin instead of Kingpin? I'm I'm going to take the counterpoint on that and say, no, I don't think it would have been. Only because I think the Goblin has been a little oversaturated and not always in a good way. In the, in that the I will concede, yes. Uh, when, when they did the Goblin and Amazing Spider-Man 2, I think that was really poorly done. Uh, so I, I think stepping away from that character for a little while is is not a bad choice. Again, I had a little problem with the character model on the Kingpin. I didn't have a problem with the characterization at all. Um, I didn't really like the character model for the Scorpion, although I know that's been something we've seen before uh, in the comics. I really liked seeing Tombstone in there. Mm-hmm. There was an audible uh, gasp. I gasped out loud when he got out of the car the first time you see him. Because you know when he shows up, trouble's behind him. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there was definitely, you know, a lot of little cameo things that went on. Uh, I understand, As I understand it, when they had a flashback scene to Ben Parker, they actually used a, a voice recording of Cliff Robertson. Robertson, excuse me. So I think that's kind of cool. I didn't catch that. Um. And then, uh, not again. I don't want to spoil it, but we all know that there's a Stanley cameo in here. Uh, again, I'm not going to spoil it as to say what happens, but I thought it was uh, very well placed, and the timing of what he says and what doesn't it is just very. Uh, it, it it struck a chord. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I wasn't crying. <laughs> I wasn't crying. You're crying. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they anticipated, uh, that Stan wouldn't be with us anymore, but it's certainly for the first, uh, cameo after his passing, uh, it's an appropriate one. Well, they, yeah. he, he changed the line. He kind of ad-libbed the version of the line that you get. And it, it was that, that was that, that made it what as emotional as it came through. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to—I don't want to give more than that away because I'm assuming somebody, some people will listen who have not yet seen this. So, you know, uh, did either of you take particular note of the score? I can't say that I did. I, I did. I mean, there—it's—it's 
it's a blend of like music by I think Daniel Pemberton or Pennington, one of the Pemberton or Pennington is the the name of the guy. Uh, uh, Pem- and then Pemberton. 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 Uh, and then there's also a lot of like pop and hip hop music kind of like infused in there. Um, I, I actually, I, I did dig the music. There's actually one track from just the orchestral score, um, or just like the music score, like soundtrack, uh, at the very end called Spider-Man Loves You, um, which is uh, like featured, like it's, it's during like sort of the final montage with Miles Morales. Um, and I just like that. It's kind of like a cool, um, cool little like musical beat with kind of like a, like a DJ's type of like scratching, like the, the record type of thing. And it's, I, I thought the music was good and the infusion of hip hop and, and the song choices that were placed throughout the movie. I thought the music was in touch with the script and the animation and kind of gave this a voice, a, a, another voice to the movie. And I thought it was really well done. And very different from Danny Elfman or sure. James oh, yeah, yeah. or anything that had come before, which it right. needed to be. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember. There were a few uh, songs that were also put in, you know, pop songs. Right. Uh, there's an original. There's an original song called "Sunflower," which is the song that Miles kind of hums to himself uh, at the beginning of it, and then at the end. And it's it's one if you like if you listen to that song, it is catchy as hell, and it will get stuck in your head. Um, but it's also it's used again in the movie to a really comedic effect. It was one of my favorite parts, and and my wife loved it because there's a moment when Miles and Peter are trying to like sneak around this facility and everything, and and Miles is his the the stickiness of his fingers is kind of like like plank going haywire and he's having trouble and and peter's like you gotta be in the moment he's like i am in the moment it's a terrible moment <laughs> and in order in order to kind of like calm himself and center himself he has to start doing didn't you say i keep it on check she was all bad but never and he starts singing to himself and it calms him down and i just like i was like this is really cool i'm liking this so yeah yeah and, before, and, warned, before warned if you download and listen to that song it will get stuck in your head like crazy so yeah. we, we, we've got a mindworm song in there but uh, I, I uh, you know, just to, you know, you kind of made reference to, I do l- really like the learning how to use the superpowers mm-hmm. uh, by Miles. Not only the learning how to use them, but not being, you know, knowing that he has them, but not even being aware of exactly which powers he has mm-hmm. uh, until they manifest themselves. Uh, it, it's just very well done and occasionally used to comic effect and occasionally used for dramatic effect. Uh, just, you know, like I said, really well put together. It's a puberty mm-hmm. thing. I don't think you understand what puberty is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I like that he did have such a steep learning curve because if, if any of us got Spider-Man powers, we're not going to start web-slinging right out of the gate. That, no. That'd be amazing. It's just not realistic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Any any other points on this that we should make before we come up with our final uh, ratings on it? I, I mean, I would just say like this one was a movie that I was expecting to enjoy, but it kind of blew me away. And and for the like again, like if this was just a good story, a well told animated movie about like a new origin for a character, if it was just that, it would be good. It would be rock, rock solid. But I think this one goes above that by doing, for me, a type of comic. And I've, you know, we've seen a hundred comic book movies now, which is crazy. But this one did something different, which is this legacy hero idea that kind of go, like opens up the floodgates for now. You can really tell 
any type of Spider-Man story. You can put the spider costume on anybody and it's it's permissible it's encouraged and i i think one of the things that i've been loving is on twitter lately there's like this hashtag spider sona like your spider persona and it's all of these like artists and fans who are just basically like adopting what is it about like what type of spider-man would they be would they be like gwen or miles or or something else would it be spider-man with a beard made of webs because that's because you look like alan moore in your personal life or something <laughs> like that and all of these type of things and it's like this is such a cool experience that the way this tapped into people who are like and then that's kind of now getting into the the spoilers, but like sort of like the message for the end of this is that Spider-Man belongs to everybody and can be everybody. And I hated when people were like, you know, this Spider-Man in the movie is the actual Spider-Man. It's like the 616 one. It's like, who who's the real Spider-Man in this movie? It's like, you weren't paying attention to the movie if you have to ask that question. The, the idea is that anybody can be Spider-Man. And I love the way that they did this. So yeah, it's I, I'm going to give this an enthusiastic rating when we get to that point. But now I, I think you hit on a good point there, though. Like uh, in the past, the character that I've seen portrayed the most different ways uh, in pop culture has been Batman. Uh, you know, you go from the uh, Adam West Batman to the Michael Keaton Batman to the Christopher. Uh, to a Christian Bale Batman, to Ben Affleck Batman, to the Brave and the Bold cartoon Batman. You know, they're so different as you go through oh. it. And it, 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 you see that they can present this character and that it's, it's malleable. It doesn't have to be this one style. Now, up until now, you know, we've seen a lot of different Spider-Man portrayals. But the character has usually been pretty sent said it's been peter parker it's been peter parker that we know there hasn't been a lot of variation i mean there has been some now with the the, the more recent animated show where he's kind of like a, a, a you know a young teenager with other teenagers in school with him and you know shield whatever i don't even know which what, what the, i think that's called ultimate spider-man but i'm yeah. not even sure uh but that's one that never caught on with me. Uh, the other versions have all been kind of you know kind of the same character and i've enjoyed a lot of them but now we've seen in this movie, various ways of portraying him, almost like all at once. Here's, here's, here's five different versions uh, to, to show you we could do all different types of genres with this character now. And, and I'm, I'm enthusiastic about that. And if you still like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man or the Andrew Garfield one more, if like that's still your preferred Spider-Man, I think this one kind of says that Spider-Man is still out there. That one still exists, and you can still favor that one. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's one of the things I loved about this. Mm -hmm. And I think the manifestation of, of what we've been talking about here with anybody could be Spider-Man and, and anybody could connect is in my auditorium, there was a young African-American kid, little boy that was about seven or eight. He walked out of the movie web shooting, you know. And then as I was waiting in the parking lot for my wife, there was a young uh, Caucasian kid in Spider-Man costume going in, I'm, and I realize these two kids are having the same experience. They're connecting with a character in a movie. And that's just something that you don't often get with feature live-action films, much less animated films. Yeah, you don't want to think that the Caucasian Spider-Man is excluding them. But there's certainly nothing wrong with a movie like this where they feel extra included 
mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and certainly I didn't feel, and you know, as a middle-aged man, so it's, it's a different experience, but I certainly didn't feel excluded by this one. There wasn't, you know, the, uh, what's, what's the, the, uh, stereotypical line. They say it's a black thing. You couldn't understand. Uh, you know, there's none of that. And I, I don't know if it's somehow offensive to quote that, but I think when you start talking, and, and uh, I guess I'm going to get controversial to an extent, but when you start talking about race relations and that type of thing, I think the better message to send is, hey, you know what, deep down inside we're all the same, and let's not treat each other as if we're different. Instead of saying, hey, everybody's different, let's try and cater to uh, setting up different you know, types of... Uh, you know, little 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 pockets that everybody could be in that are very exclusive to them. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know if the, if my my way of looking at it is the correct way of looking at it, but it feels to me to be right. Let's you know we're we're deep down inside we're all the same and let's treat each other like we're all the same. Nobody nobody needs to ever be excluded. Yeah. Yeah. So if anybody disagrees with that message, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that it is fine to disagree with. Them. I think no, I'm, I'm saying every, everybody's allowed their own opinion. Is my point. Right. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying. Uh, I don't. I don't want to get into a grand racial debate. Uh, I just, you know, like I said, I, I, I like something like this where you where if somebody does think that there's different pockets, you see this character who is very relatable, who might be different to you than you, but he's still very relatable, and I think that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, touching on that, like, because because we are talking about like diversity and representation. I mean, if you're a young person of color, this year you started the year with Black Panther and you ended it with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Got to be feeling pretty good. Um, Cer- certainly, and, it's 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 giant steps, leaps and yeah. bounds over what we got in the past. Right, mm-hmm. and and next year we'll have Captain Marvel as like Marvel's first. You know, woman leading the the movie. If you discount Wasp having co billing, um, but then after that in 2020, like the major temple for Marvel and DC in May and June are going to be Black Widow and Wonder Woman. So, yeah, I mean, we're we're getting a lot more, a lot more superheroes who don't look like us, yeah. <laughs> and and I think that's a good thing to, a very to good spread thing. the wealth because we've had we've had, we have no shortage of heroes. And and to be quite honest, uh, if you make all the movies the same, then we don't need to go see them anymore. Right. So yeah. it's better it's better that we get diversity to that extent. I don't want to be preachy about this, but I think you know just if nothing else, just for the sake of having different things on the screen, so that we're not just seeing the same thing over and over again, it's worthwhile. But the question for you boys is: Is this Jaws? Ryan, go ahead. I think it is. I think it's Jaws. I mean, like this is definitely one of uh, my favorite movies of the year and one of my favorite superhero movies now. Um, I, I mean, in, based on your scale, Paul, for like, <laughs> you just, like, I don't think this is as good as the actual movie Jaws. But, but uh, and again, I'm going to interrupt you because Dave and I had this conversation not that long ago. Uh, there's four rankings in the Jaws scale. There are a hell of a lot more than four movies out there. <laughs> so you're going to have many movies that rank in each of the categories. And then within the categories, you might order them differently. 
Mm-hmm. That doesn't exclude movies from the category just because they're not as good as other movies within the category. Does that, if that makes sense? Yeah, of course. but yeah, I'll put this up in the Jaws like in the Jaws camp. Yeah, I, I'm definitely putting it in Jaws. As, as and Brian and I were actually talking on Facebook about superhero movies. There's only three movies, superhero movies, that I give an A grade to. That is Captain America: Winter Soldier. Superman the movie, and now Into the Spider-Verse. I expected it to be a great popcorn movie. It ended up being a great all-round movie and an emotional experience and a lot of different emotions. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to come in slightly lower, and I'm going to give it a Jaws 2. Not because I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed it very, very much. I just don't know that it's going to reach the level of all-time classic that I feel a Jaws rating needs. Um. Now, upon repeated viewings, I might start to bump it up higher. But right now, I, I would say it was very enjoyable. I definitely am comfortable with the idea that I, I am going to have repeated viewings of it. Uh, I just don't know if I'm quite ready to put it at that classic level. So, I'm going to go with the Jaws 2, but I'm going to go with a solid Jaws 2. You know, not, not a... It's certainly not a wimpy one. <laughs> And, uh, you know, what's interesting is the way uh, this show goes, you know, because of trying to keep a regular schedule, putting out an episode every other week, I have to have a certain number of episodes recorded so that, you know, if I don't get to record in a given week, I still have episodes to put up. So I usually want to have anywhere between five and ten episodes recorded ahead of the game. And then what happens is a new movie like this comes out, so I'll bump it up on the uh, on, on the release date ahead of movies that I've recorded that are older. So this is going to air three days after we record it. Uh, and it's bu- the movie it's bumping out of uh, posting is the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so two weeks from the time this posts, people will be getting the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, which I recorded a few months ago. Uh, but that's just kind of the way it works. I think... Andy Leyland will be mad about that because he likes <laughs> Tobey Maguire Spider-Man one more than this one. Well, yeah. Andy, Andy liked this one as well. When I spoke to Andy about it, his comment to me was that it uh, it presents a comic book on the screen better than any movie has ever done before, uh, and and it, you know he was comparing it to the Hulk movie, which tried so hard to do that and failed miserably. Mm-hmm. But he 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 seemed pretty high on this, and uh, if it wasn't for the time difference between here and uh, and his his neck of the woods, uh, he probably would have been in in the in the booth with us right now discussing this one. So I, I'm not going to speak for where Andy would put it on the Jaws scale because I'm not certain. But I know when I discussed it with him, he was pretty high on it. Anyway, that's it for this one. I want to thank. Ryan and Dave for coming on. Why don't you each take a minute to tell everybody where they can find you? I got this one first, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. You can find me on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Um, I'm the host of several or co-host of several shows over there. Uh, most notably, uh, Cheers Cast, which is my journey through the uh, television sitcom from the 80s and early 90s, Cheers. It's my favorite show of all time. Um, currently chugging away, almost done with the first season. Both Paul and Dave have been guests on that in on the past and hopefully in the future again. 
Um, also, I co-host Batman Nightcast with Chris Franklin, and I've got a few other shows which are in various stages of hiatus, or I just need to get my butt off and edit them. So, But now would probably be a good time to binge Midnight the Posse podcast. Posse hour would be fun, too. The podcasting hour. Yeah, especially since I'm recording another one of those, you know, in about 12 hours. <laughs> nice. Dave? Um, you always find me with Paul. Well, you find me on this show a lot. Uh, but we do a show called Listen to the Prophets, which is the Deep Space Nine entire series beginning to end. I joined in towards the end. but And then uh, various other places on the internet, like the Twitter, where you can find me at Star Trek Legends, where I tweet about Star Trek, or the Tao of Batman, in which I impart life lessons based on the 1966 Batman TV series. You all must reading must listening must watch whatever whatever everything is just tune in these are good guys uh thanks again guys for coming on and thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you in two weeks when uh, you'll get the first uh, toby Maguire spider-man movie thank you thank you Miles power with a blindfold on. Mama always asking, Where did I go wrong? Took you long enough. What's up, danger? What's up, danger? I see this, this spark in you. It's, it's amazing. Whatever you choose to do with it, you'll be great. Our family doesn't run from things. You're the best of all of us, Miles. You're on your way. When do I know I'm Spider Man? You won't. That's all it is, Miles. A leap of faith. Like, what's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? Made them myself. They fit perfectly.
Wait, so how many of us are there?